0: Welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig,
1: and I'm Todd.
0: This week, we kind of were at a loss for what we wanted to do. Uh, so I thought of something that's been in the back of my mind for a long time because we've talked about how, after all of this time, we've pretty much covered about every franchise that we can think of. yeah. Um, But every time we have this discussion, there is one franchise uh, that I think about that we haven't done yet, and that is the Wrong Turn franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong Turn. Uh, This movie came out in, what, 2003? Is that right? 2003. I remembered really liking it. In fact, I think at some point I bought the DVD, it's been so long since I've actually watched a DVD, I have no idea if I have it or not. I, I don't even have a working DVD player in my house anymore, so uh, I may still have the DVD somewhere, I don't know. Um, and it's it, it's actually one uh, that I've wanted to revisit, but it's kind of hard to find. I, at least, it, it's hard to find for free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's... Says a little that's, something that's, about us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, I asked Todd to work his magic. <laughs> uh, and I can't. And he did. <laughs> well, you, you did, but, um, Unfortunately, uh, the magical link that you sent me didn't work, uh, oh. so so I paid four whole dollars oh, no. to rent it. Oh, no. Oh, God,
1: I'm so sorry. <laughs> you should have told me earlier.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. No, okay. there, there's four dollars I'll never see again. Yeah. <laughs> no. It was fine. Honestly, it was worth the $4 just to be able to revisit a movie that I remembered liking but probably haven't seen in at Mm. least 15 years. Um, It it had been so long since I'd seen it that I didn't remember how it ended. Uh, I I certainly remembered certain things about it, um, but I I didn't remember it well. Uh, So it was kind of fun to go back to. This movie... Did spawn a whole series of sequels. Uh, I think that there are five direct sequels to this movie. Um, And then in 2021 or 2022, there was a remake slash reboot. I haven't seen it. I've read the synopsis, and the synopsis sounds nothing like this movie. Really? So I I don't think that it's a a remake. I think it's a reboot of the franchise.
1: It's written by the same author, though, yeah?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's the first time that the writer returned to the franchise i i correct I, he's cr- he's credited on all the other ones, but only because uh, the characters are inspired by yeah. uh, the original i don 't know if I saw all of the sequels they got progressively worse with each one, but they were fun because they had really interesting and really gross kills so it was always fun to revisit them just to see you know the innovative new kills but they were bad yeah (laughs) (laughs) they weren't they weren't good movies they were all direct to video which is fine but this one I don't know it was interesting to revisit (sighs) yeah What, what what's your history with this
1: well, I have no history. You know, I keep I keep mixing it up with that uh, Sean Penn movie. What was it called? Dead End or something like that. Anyway, yeah. So I always think, oh yeah, I saw Wrong Turn. And then when you suggested, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Well, we'll watch it. But I don't. I'm not even sure that's horror. Yeah, then I realized, no, that's not the movie I thought it was, and I haven't seen this movie ever before. Yeah, so I, have, I had no history with this movie. It's the first time I saw it. I, as soon as we were watching the credits, I was kind of surprised to see that, because I didn't read anything about it going in. I was surprised to see that Stan Winston was involved. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this this must mean we're going to get some... I mean, he didn't direct it, obviously. It was directed by a guy named uh, Rob Schmidt, who honestly hasn't really done much else. I mean, he's done other things, but nothing of that I would consider of note. The author, Alan B. McElroy, as you said, he, he actually wrote Halloween 4. That was his first um, produced screenplay. And he's had more of a, I think later, and especially now, he's done a lot of writing for television. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, their director hasn't really done much else. And it seems like Stan Winston, although he produced it, this was one of the last things he was involved in. I think one of the last movies he was involved in before he died. From what I read, he had some say in the in the makeup effects, I guess, mm-hmm. for the our three inbred killers that we have here. Right, um, but there is no other like creature of sorts in it, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean to be com- completely honest with you, like it didn't really blow me away. I thought it was kind of dumb in a lot of spots, and surprisingly, really thin on the characters. I was in the beginning of the movie. I really thought, oh, these characters are going to be interesting because they seem to have. Especially our our guy who's the doctor, who we are introduced to first off. And then as the movie went on, I was like, oh, it's just these people going through this thing. And I didn't really feel anything particular for any of them, (laughs) to be honest. I accept, you know, again, like you said, really brutal. uh, More brutal than I expected it to be. And I knew this was kind of a mainstream movie I know it was released to theaters I remembered mm-hmm. that much but uh, it does look like it did have some trouble because uh, even the previews for the movie were deemed bad like, like sensitive and so uh, they weren't able to even run previews for the film on too many um, stations or they had to cut them up a lot they even had to cut the movie quite a bit just to get an R rating and, I, and I'm not surprised because what we end up with is still a pretty brutal R yeah, but also it has that slickness, yeah, of the time, right? It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a low budget movie at all. Which no, it might be going against it in that way. Like, I, I mean, who cares? The movie is what it is. But uh, I, I read that they were going for a 1970s style movie, like on the like like The Hills Have Eyes or Texas, Texas Chainsaw. Chainsaw Massacre. Uh-huh. And although yes, the subject matter is that. They definitely weren't going for it in terms of filming style. Right. It was very slick. It had it had some really nice, like, interesting shots and some interesting sweeping camera angles and things that uh, that were impressive. Some some I think some CGI in there. Magic had to be done to make some of that happen. But yeah, it's it's definitely a, it feels slicker than maybe we're used to seeing this subject matter being shot in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know I, I what I total, mean. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Like those movies, I- I- the director uh, Rob Schmidt considers this kind of his homage to those types of movies, like you mentioned, The Hills Have Eyes and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it really does have a lot in common with those uh, in terms of plot and characters. But those movies are gritty. Yeah, they're, gr- they're gritty, not just in in terms of, of their plot and the story, but in the way that they look. They look kind of gritty. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, this looks very clean. The cinematography is actually really good, and um, it's shot almost entirely outdoors. Uh, I, I think that this was shot mostly in Canada, but it, it's supposed to be West Virginia, and it looks like the mountains of West Virginia. Yeah. You know, these, these uh dense, forests um isolated from civilization and and as far as like outdoor photography and like you said like the opening credits are well not the opening credits but the opening shot is an aerial shot it looks like a drone shot i don't know how they did it but it looks like a drone shot over the forest and it really it looks great it's it's beautiful to look at and it really highlights the isolation um, yeah. of these areas. And, you know, I, I think most of our listeners these days are from the States. Uh, and and if you are, I'm not a world traveler. Maybe you can tell me that this is the case all over the world. But here in the States, of course, obviously, we've got small towns, we've got cities, you know, it's populous. But um, there are also parts of the United States that are very remote. And these dense huge forests that are beautiful but <laughs> they are very isolated and in the 2020s people still get lost and <laughs> never yeah. make their way out you know that they, they're they're sweeping um and so there's for me at least uh even that kind of environment if you were to get lost in in a desolate remote area The situation could be pretty dire. Then add in, you know,
1: backwoods (laughs) cannibals. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Honestly, like, I, okay, so (laughs) on the weekends, I sit here in my chair in my living room uh, and either watch TV or watch these movies on my computer screen and Alan is usually sitting right behind me with his back to me doing puzzles because he loves puzzles (laughs) 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 I could care less about puzzles I don't touch them
1: Do you mean jigsaw puzzles? Yeah, jigsaw
0: puzzles, like thousand-piece jigsaw puzzles. He just sits there for hours and hours and hours um, and does (laughs) these jigsaw puzzles. I don't have the patience. But as a result, he listens, and he's seen this movie. You know, We've been together for 25 years, so we we were together when this movie came out. So he's seen it, but like me, he hadn't seen it in a very long time. And last night when we were having dinner together, I said, you know... I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty good. And he said, are you kidding me? It was miserable to just listen to it. (laughs) 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 Uh, I I, I see what you're saying. I don't, I I can't even put a finger on why I liked it, but I kind of did. Now here, the reason here, okay. First of all, I was initially drawn to this movie when it came out in 2003 because it stars Eliza Dushku, and I am a big fan of Eliza Mm. Dushku. I was and remain a huge fan of Buffy Buffy the Vampire Vampire Slayer. Slayer.
1: Yes, I know. (laughs) I I
0: stand by... I think that is one of the best television series to have ever aired. I I, I just think it was amazing. Um, It was a fun you know, kind of light horror comedy, but I just thought that it was ingenious the way that they made the the difficult things that people face in growing up and going from adolescence to teen years to adult years. They used monsters and, and demons as metaphors for the types of things that everybody experiences. I, I can mm-hmm. talk about that. Maybe we'll do a mini-sode about Buffy the Vampire. I could talk about it all day. But <laughs> Eliza Dushku uh, was on that show. She played kind of a rogue, darker Slayer as a counterpoint to Buffy's Sweet Valley Girl type Slayer. So I'm a right. huge fan of her. That's what drew me to the movie. That's one thing that it had going f- for it for me um, from the beginning. But the other thing, like, I found myself feeling legitimately tense through a lot of this movie. Yeah. Um, there are some really, really tense scenes. Um, and there were at least two or three times when I jumped, there are a couple of really good jump scares yes. in this movie too.
1: You're right. You're right. Absolutely. I'm with you 100% on what you're saying.
0: It's it's not a it's not a great movie. It's not. And, and it's really kind of predictable and kind of something... It's not original, you know? It's backwoods hillbilly mutants for whatever reason. I don't know if there's really any explanation other than inbreeding,
1: maybe? Yeah, I mean, there is a... I didn't pay close attention because I was distracted a little bit during the credit sequence. But it seems like the credit sequence is trying to set up or hint at... Something, because there's like, I don't know, like cells moving around and there's newspaper clippings or something about genetic things. I don't know. I I don't really, I didn't really catch it all, but that's it. I mean, if, if it's anywhere, it's there. And I, it wasn't explicit. I think it was just... Uh,
0: yeah, and you get some kind of, you get some vague, quick shots. The, I mean, these are all like newspaper clippings that you're just seeing little snippets of. And it tells you, you know, it shows all these people have gone missing and... And you you kind of see some I don't know like not full shots but like small shots of uh, disfigured people <laughs> uh, <laughs> right and, yeah and and that's 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 what we we end up with but he, I I just thought it, it, it I don't know I, I I can't defend it too much because I I have to concede that it's not a great movie but ultimately. I liked it. (laughs)
1: Well, I think, you know, in the same respect, I'm having a really hard time pinpointing why it didn't really push my buttons, and I'm hoping that maybe just during our discussion we'll, we'll be able to kind of hash that out, because... There's nothing wrong. I mean, horror is 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 rarely original. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we get we get our jo- jollies from just seeing the same types of stuff over and over again, and we we like it. You know, I I'm not really sure what criteria we every every week. I'm really not sure what criteria we're going to be measuring this movie by. Right? I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it had been shot in the 70s. I think. Uh, you yeah. Know, grittier style. Those those other movies. I don't know what it is. They they definitely tend to maybe because of the low budget and the film stock and whatever they do tend to have a slightly more like a hint of a documentary feel to them right which makes them a little more i don't know real or believable when a movie is this slick and and i mean this movie's slick i, I feel like it's like it's like texas chainsaw crossed with like I know what you did last summer, you know, yeah. Yeah. in in that way. It's just beautifully lit and uh, beautifully filmed with great set pieces and and nice looking people that are pretty young. And so I think that's might be what goes against it. That and just like you said earlier, it's not particularly original. And so I was expecting I was hoping for something more than what I'd seen before. But it's an homage, so yeah, you know, it's not trying to be something new. It's trying to be a throwback, and so I can't fault it for that. And certainly, I've enjoyed other homages as uh-huh. well. What didn't I like about this movie? I don't know. I, I didn't hate it. I just uh, turned it off and thought, oh, okay, that was that was right. fine. But
0: well, it doesn't bring anything new to the table, and um, not that this is a requirement of horror in any way. So this really isn't a criticism, but it really doesn't have anything to say. You know, like, yeah, it, it's just a story about a bunch of young, sexy people who get stranded in the forest and get chased around by mutant, mutant cannibals. cannibals. That's it, there, there, there's not anything more to it than that. Um, but I did it, I, I thought that the performances. We're good. I, I, I stand. Yeah. I stand by my appreciation of Eliza Dushku. I think she's, aside from being gorgeous, uh, I, I think she's a good actress. And I didn't think that there was anybody in this movie who was bad. Jeremy, oh, thought... Sist- Jeremy Sisto annoyed the shit out of me, but yeah. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think that. I thought that that was his character. <laughs> yeah. He
1: was an annoying character, and he was meant to be that way but yeah. but it wasn't over the top annoyance to the point of caricature i just i felt like these were real people i really did um i, I the acting was perfect uh perfectly serviceable i thought um, kevin zegers is in this and he's been all over the place he's quite famous now more i mean uh, a ton of tv that movie that we wanted that we've been talking about maybe seeing called frozen about people being stranded on a chairlift
0: Oh. Oh, was he in that?
1: He's in that. Yeah. I like
0: that movie. I've watched that movie more than once.
1: So, um, we should do that sometime actually. But I mean this guy's this guy's been all over all over. He was in the Dawn of the Dead, he was in the, the Dawn of the Dead remake that Zack Schneider did, which I loved.
0: So was the girl who played his girlfriend, Francine. Uh her yep. name's Lindy Booth. They were both in it. And and I think there are a couple in this movie. And uh, I think they become a couple in that movie.
1: And as far as horror goes, he's gone all the way back to when he was a kid. He was in the in the Mouth of Madness and uh,
0: oh, Air Bud, that.
1: you know, in the set, in the nineties. So even at this time, we have actors who are well trained and, and regarded.
0: All of these young actors were ha- have done a lot since yeah. then. Um, yeah. And Jeremy Sisto, who plays Scott he again like i said he's an annoying character he's he's a fine actor he's just an annoying character but um he's done tons of stuff he was in may mm-hmm. he was the boy that she was obsessed with i think that he was originally considered for Titanic, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's part. I think there are actually oh, s- screenshots or, like, screen tests of him for that movie. He's very recognizable. Um, even, like, uh, the guy who plays Three Finger, one of the mutants, mm-hmm. his name is Julian Richings. He's, like, an esteemed actor. Like, really? Check out, oh, my God. <laughs> check out his IMDb page. He has done... Like it's a he has a huge resume, Um, and if you see his picture, I think you'll (laughs) you'll you'll recognize him. He's done tons of stuff. He's got tons of stuff, like in post production now.
1: Yeah, getting
0: ready to come out. I just recently saw him in a a Netflix original that I really liked called uh, Anything for Jackson, um, Uh where he played an older, uh, very. Uh, like genteel gentleman, like he, like I couldn't believe when I saw that it was him because huh, I, I I think it's cool that somebody who is such a, a a clearly clearly a good actor would take on a role like this where he doesn't even speak. It's it's all no. physicality and like w- strange vocalization and manic laughter.
1: All, all buried under makeup, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, you, yeah. Oh, you. Oh, you, oh yeah. See. You'd
0: never recognize them. There'd be no way to recognize
1: them. Mimic Cube, Urban Legend. I mean, he's not afraid to do horror for sure. He's, he's. But I'm Saw Four. He was in Saw Four. Um, <laughs> but also two hundred twenty-eight total
0: credits. So I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> you're right. It's insane.
0: Even the guy that plays the creepy gas station attendant had done quite. I think he was in Cube also. Um, mm. he passed away in 2011 but like there's there's talent in this movie that like you said the director hadn't done a lot i i don't remember i looked at his credits but i don't remember anything else that he had done. i mean
1: pretty much nothing before this i mean you know he did like a, a couple shorts and a tv movie called an american town and something that I don't call crime plus punishment in suburbia which
0: yeah uh, yeah but but for somebody with not a lot of experience he he seems quite skilled because uh, yeah. it, it's well directed well honestly and,
1: I'm I'm shocked he hardly has anything since then really
0: yeah yeah, N- yeah me too and the writer has has a, a huge resume as well a lot of TV but um, lots of stuff so there's a lot of talent going on here but 20 minutes in, we should probably start talking about what what happens in the movie. Um, like I said, it starts out with an aerial shot. At, it's West Virginia. Uh, the first scene that we get, I, I actually think it's a great opening scene. As is the case with many opening scenes in horror, especially this type of horror,
1: yeah. uh,
0: it's it's just it's the opening kill.
1: It's the Roger Corman uh, formula, right? You got to have a kill right away. Right? You got to have some right. blood right away.
0: A sexy couple is doing some rock climbing in the forests of West Virginia, and the the guy gets to the top first. The guy, you know, like walks out of her line of vision, uh, and she hears something strange. And then he falls, kind of back into her vision again, right at the edge of the cliff, and blood starts dripping uh, onto her. Then he is thrown over the cliff, and some unseen person starts rapidly pulling her up uh, the cliff. So she cuts the rope and eventually falls, but is inexplicably uninjured. <laughs> yeah. <And> then...
1: <laughs> And even though her attacker was at the top of the cliff, there's apparently somebody waiting for her at the bottom as well who grabbed yeah. who has some barbed wire, right?
0: yeah that and, uh, trips he trips her with barbed wire and and then yeah. she gets dragged off frame presumably to her death so um we and, and at the top of the ridge before she's attacked, you know you see the the tree or like the the shrubbery moving as though somebody's running behind it, and you hear this very creepy manic laughter, yeah, it's kind of silly that uh. She's so easily overtaken when it seems that the attacker is at the top, but we do come to find out that there are three of these right. guys, so yeah. potentially one of them could have been up at the top, and another one or two of them could have been at the bottom, but whatever. I, I yeah. thought it was a good opening scene. It was yeah. scary and Solid. Um, bloody. and uh,
1: Not something you want to happen to you.
0: Exactly, <laughs> right. Then we, uh, after the title sequence with the, like, newspaper clippings, and we also get some images of, like, dirty hands, like, touching and mutilating dead bodies, um, all of this in black and white. Then we cut to what I suppose is our main character, even though this ultimately becomes kind of an ensemble. Uh, The character's name is Chris Flynn. He always introduces himself by his full name.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Like... I don't know either. Maybe like a douchebag doctor. I I got the sense, the way he was playing it at least, you know, he's playing it rather cold. He doesn't seem to be like a real sensitive person uh, who's just super friendly. He's got a lot on his mind at the very least. He's driving to get somewhere. Um, and he's late, and he's got to go through this sort of backwoods, I guess, of uh, of West Virginia to get there.
0: Well, he finds himself in a traffic jam. There's been an accident.
1: Oh, right, so he turns around to take an alternate route, you're right.
0: Right, and he takes uh, a dirt road, which leads him to this run-down backwoods gas station with a <laughs> filthy, toothless oh. attendant sitting there drinking Pepto-Bismol. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the dirtiest man you could possibly imagine. This yeah. Guy. It's really gross. Hats off to who put him together. You know what I mean? But, you know, I was expecting, and this I thought was kind of cute, right? I was expecting the typical gas station thing. Well, you definitely don't want to go up there. You better turn yourself right around and leave, right? But this gas station attendant is completely uninterested in yeah, this guy. doesn't care.
0: <laughs> but, but when... He he. he see, there's a map on the wall, and Chris says, "Well, why is this road a dotted line? Is it because it's a a gravel road?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, I guess they haven't got around to paving it yet." <laughs> like, you can barely <laughs> understand him when he talks because he has no teeth. True. And so yeah. uh, Chris is like, "Okay, well, take care." And as he drives away, the guy goes, "You're the one gonna need to take care." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like he knows what he's sending him into. He just doesn't give a shit.
1: He just doesn't care at all. It's the it's the <laughs> anti gas station attendant.
0: <laughs> so immediately he heads down this uh dirt road and he's driving recklessly like he he dropped like his CD skips. So he pulls it out and drops it on the floor and like bends down to pick it up and I'm thinking you're going to have an accident but it's not even then it's uh he sees a dead deer along the side of the road and he passes it and he looks into his rearview mirror i i guess cuz he needs a better look or something and he smashes into this suv that's parked yeah. uh kind of along the side of the road i mean it, it's a narr- it's a dirt a backwoods dirt road so it's narrow anyway um but he smashes into this suv as it turns out, the SUV was parked there because it had gotten flat tires, and, they, and the flat tires are because barbed wire was strung along the, the road. But this SUV was carrying this group of people. I read in the trivia that originally in the script, these people were all supposed to be in their late 20s, but they changed them to being 19-year-olds to appeal to the younger slasher crowd. None Mm. of these people look anything like 19 years old
1: no like, not at all I, I read that too and I was scratching my head I was like were their ages even referred to in this script? no because they all look like they're in their mid to late 20s I
0: think oh yes yes and they act I was like thinking it. I was thinking maybe like 23 24 at the at the youngest yes I, I think they mentioned college like I think they mentioned that they're in college whatever I mean it's mm. not like it's not like it's uncommon for teenagers to be played by people who are clearly significantly older than teenagers. I just thought that it was interesting that they were intentionally going for younger, and yet they still right. casted 20-somethings. Like,
1: and by the way, can I take this moment, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show before, about how ridiculous this notion is that you need to cast people of a certain age to appeal to that age as though teenagers don't like seeing movies about older people or younger right. people. You right. know what I mean? It's just the stupidest thing. So, this is almost like that taken to the, the, a hilarious degree where some executive was, was like, well, well, only green like this script if it, you know, if, if, if it appeals to, instead of the, the 24 and 25 year olds, the you know 21 and 22 year olds. Right. And they're like, okay, alright, we'll write that in. And then they end up casting, you know, 30 year olds anyway. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) No, I feel like, especially in horror, like, they just need to be sexy. Like, that's the appeal. (laughs) It, It doesn't have anything to do with their age. As long as they're hot, (laughs) <laughs> young people, middle-aged men like us <laughs> are right. are going to find it appealing. So it's, it's all we
1: care about anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. And and all these people, you know, they are good-looking young people. You know, the, the the guy who plays Chris, uh who's supposed to be older than them but looks the same age, um he's played by a guy named Desmond Harrington. I kind of recognized some of the things that he had been in. And I kind of recognized his face. He's just a good looking man. You know, that that's it. The group of twenty somethings, you've got Scott played by Jeremy Sisto, his girlfriend, Carly, uh, played by Emmanuel uh Tricky. Um, I didn't recognize her specifically from anything, but she's been in tons of stuff too. Another couple, Francine is a redhead. She's played by a girl named Lindy Booth. Been in tons of stuff. Has done is still working. Tons of TV. Um, her boyfriend Evan, played by Kevin Zegers, who you've already mentioned, has been in a bunch of stuff. And Jesse, played by Eliza Dushku. Uh, apparently, they are all on this wilderness trip because they're trying to cheer Jesse up because she's recently been dumped.
1: Which I don't think we find out about until later, right?
0: Yeah. Francine says something to her boyfriend because everybody except Francine and Evan like within the next five minutes take off walking to look for help. Francine and Evan stay behind. And Evan says something like, we should have just taken her to New York City. And Francine says, well, she likes all this outdoor stuff. so So
1: it's for her sake that at least we know by then
0: yeah right for her sake but we don't find out late until later that it's because she got dumped or whatever but lucky for her this hot doctor has come along and they (laughs) like this is so funny to me because they immediately gravitate towards one another which is fine (laughs) you know they're 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 the only ones who don't already have a partner, so it's logical that they would gravitate towards one another, but as soon as they find themselves in peril, you would think that they had been in a relationship for years. Yes. Like- <laughs>
1: <laughs> they just have that air. That's yeah. right. They are, they're stuck with glue, they're communicating everything. She and- is
0: clinging to him, like, <laughs> like physically like, <laughs> like digging her nuts. nails into it, like, uh Whoa.
1: Well, at the same time, he's just kind of like barreling ahead with her in tow. You know, it's uh-huh. not like he's giving anything back to her. There's no like real chemistry between them beyond this is the stuff we have to work together to do to get through this ordeal, right? Yeah. He's he's surprisingly just kind of cold and and to the point where I thought that that was going to be a plot point, it's, or I thought there'd be a character arc here, you know, where he warms up a bit, or he tells us about his terrible life, where he was, you know, stifled and blah blah blah, and then this this ordeal kind of makes him more sensitive and and kind or something. There's no character arc for any character, no, in this movie at all. <laughs> no, not it just at doesn't all. happen. Nor do the relationships between the characters really change. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, aside from the fact that. Uh, as soon as they meet each other they're stuck together like glue nobody gets closer to anybody else nobody fun- you know they're just uh, it's just like four separate people doing their or well, I'm sorry five separate people doing their five separate things
0: yeah and, and honestly you know in a situation like this like if you're
1: it's realistic right it, i mean yeah
0: i mean you i i i can only imagine that you would cling to whomever It's a kind of a love the one you're with kind of thing, you know? Right. (laughs) We're in this together, whether we like it or not. So we may as well have each other's back and look out for each other. But like I said, uh, the two of them, Evan and Francine, stay behind. And um, as soon as the rest of them start walking away, we get POV shots to show that somebody's watching from the woods. It cuts back and forth between the people who are walking and and Evan and Francine. Um, It's it's more than suggested, but you don't see anything, that Francine blows Evan on the hood of the car. But there is zero sex or nudity in this movie none yeah. surprising and, and I read that in the original script, there was, you know, there was a sex scene between Francine and Evan in the woods. Jesse Eliza Dushku, was supposed to have her clothes ripped off uh, at some point, and, and maybe some other stuff too, but ultimately it just didn't happen. I'm not really sure why, and it kind of makes it stand out
1: it does, in really. the world
0: of horror, because there, I mean, that's a staple. In, in horror is is nudity and, and sex and in the sequels, all of the direct to video sequels, tons of nudity and sex like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's like definitive of the, those those movies it, it are defined by the amount of uh, sex and and uh, nudity, but none here. Mm. and honestly, I didn't miss it.
1: No, it didn't I...
0: even really cross my mind. It seemed to me like it almost would, it I mean it certainly would have been gratuitous and it seemed like it almost would have been out of place. The only place that I thought that maybe it would have made sense was near the end when Jesse is taken captive by these mountain men. Yes. Um then yeah. I thought it would have made sense that the only reason that they would have kept her Alive and,
1: and not killed her right away, which they do to everybody else.
0: Right, that would have made sense if they had had other motives with her. But right, other than that, I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, Francine and Evan, her boyfriend and girlfriend. It would it wouldn't have been out of character, especially since they were alone in a remote place. And, and like I said, it's suggested, you know, he she kneels down in front of him and pulls his pants down um but yeah. then it cuts away whatever it's it's just kind of an interesting in this type of movie you 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 pretty much expect it and it's just not there
1: yeah and, and when you're building an homage right especially like you're, you're definitely expecting it because you're thinking this is one of those tropes that has to be you know it's a box that has to be checked so when it's not there it's kind of Again, like you, I don't care if it's there or not, honestly, but, but you know, you're when you're waiting for it and it doesn't show up, it's surprising, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? You're trained to expect it. And also when you're trying to figure out who's going to live and who's going to die, this sort of thing tends to define that. Right. Although although I'll say from the beginning, I mean, from the first 10 minutes I had picked out who was going to live. It, it's oh, yeah. really no big surprise. <laughs> no, no, you know. You know for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so uh, the first... Aside from the opening kill, Evan hears something in the woods, and he walks away, and Francine notices that he's missing right away and calls for him, and he doesn't respond, so you know something's going on. Like I said, it cuts back and forth between the two groups, but uh, eventually Francine takes two steps into the woods um, (laughs) and finds Evan's... First, she finds his shoe, and then she takes two more steps into the woods and finds his ear. (laughs) Yeah, right?
1: One thing that's pretty remarkable in these early stages, because there's a little bit of people sort of suddenly disappearing. Like, they're walking next to somebody, and then they, you know, they take three steps, and then they they turn around, and that person's not there anymore. Like, these guys are rather quiet about being able to dispatch these folks who are right around them into the woods, let alone cut off their ear and do whatever to them, uh, all while everything else is completely silent. You know? Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Completely I, silent. I had to smile at how absolutely silly that was. Yeah. But but that's brutal, though. When he comes up behind her and he, yes. he gets that barbed wire right into her mouth. And that's like a theme in this movie. There's a lot of people getting cut in their mouths (laughs) somebody gets an axe in their mouth later oh yeah she gets Uh you know that barbed wire instead of around her throat which is where you expect it's right Uh through her jaw and
0: and it's this—it's a hulking guy. You don't see his face. They don't—they don't show these guys' faces very much at all.
1: Not in the begin—not till the very end.
0: Right, more yeah. so at the end. I mean, you get kind of—you get glimpses, but it's more so at the end that uh, you really see them. But it's just this—you know, she she sees the ear, and she's. Obviously frightened, and so um, she steps backwards and steps right into this hulking man um, behind her. And then immediately, the barbed wire through her mouth, and she's lifted by that wire. And then it cuts away. Uh, and, and of course, it's you know, barbed wire, and it's very bloody, and it, it looks good. The, the effects. Yeah overall in this movie I think look very good and it is very brutal all of these movies the direct to video ones uh, and this one are bloody and violent Mm -hmm. I think that a lot more care was given in this movie to the effects a lot of the effects in the direct to video sequels are CGI but they're still creative um, and fun to watch here, um, more practical. I'm sure some ZGI involved, but more practical and look pretty good. The yeah. the other group, uh, Scott, oh God, he I want to like him because he seems like a nice guy, but he's so annoying. Like he's just going <laughs> on and on and on, talking he and his girlfriend are getting married and he's like talking about the wedding plans and stuff. I'm like, dude, shut up. Like <laughs>
1: yeah, I feel like he's supposed to be a bit of a parody or spot-on interpretation of like a California dude. He's very positive at times. Yeah. He he kind of goes off on these little soliloquies and rants about you know that are just basically like positive thinking. And I felt like that we were supposed to be laughing at him a little bit.
0: Oh, I think so too. And, and his girlfriend picks a flower and hangs it from the chain that he's wearing. So every time you see him <laughs> from that point forward, he's got this silly. Flower necklace on uh, yeah he's a good guy he's a nice guy he looks out for his girlfriend he's just he would annoy the crap out of me yeah. but anyway <laughs> they they find this cabin out in the middle of nowhere there's there's smoke coming from the chimney Eliza Dushku seems to notice right away that there are lots of cars out like in the front yard uh, which which she seems to think is weird. I live in rural Missouri. This is not uncommon. It's not strange (laughs) at all. It is very common in rural areas to find a dilapidated house with five or six cars on just, blocks in the front yard, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Weeds growing through them. Yes, some, like, different <laughs> different eras of cars, and I don't even understand it really. I, I don't know what's, I don't know what goes through the minds yeah, of those I residents. Know. The only thing is, as a homeowner, I can tell you, you know, as you can probably say too, they're just things you forget about, and then they just sort of blend into the scenery.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I I, I think in my experience, I you know I've known I my my grandfather was a, a farmer and so uh, i've spent a lot of time in rural areas and and i think that these people who have these cars in their like they're going to get around to it eventually.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or they're just like, they just don't want to throw those things away. Like, it's just like, for me, it's just like, you know, the extra paper clips and, you know, scraps of paper and stuff. I think I might use them again. And they just kind of pile up in a drawer. Here, it's just that on a grander scale. <laughs>
0: yeah. that, 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 that's, a, that's a good car. I, I'm, I'm going to yeah. fix it. There's good parts in there. Days. At
1: least It yeah. I pull something out for another car. Or, you know not i to do something else.
0: Right. <laughs> they debate whether or not they should go in um and chris is like listen i've got places to be so <laughs> i'm gonna go, go in and see if there's a phone and carly's like well i have to pee so i'm going in too so they all go in and it's a very you know cabin in the woods uh, oh. evil dead
1: this was so dumb I'm sorry. Like, I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. The set design was awesome. It was cool. Yes. It was very much like Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. without the bones, right? Right. It's just like crap everywhere. Like a hoarder's house.
0: Yeah, but it's beyond obvious what's going on.
1: Yeah, like, that's that's what made it dumb. The,
0: the fact that it takes them so long to even worry about it. Like, it's so obvious.
1: They're in there for like... Ten minutes, probably, of the movie is them peering around like, this is strange. Oh, look over here. This is strange. It's like, you idiots, you're kind of surrounded by horrifying things. Yeah. Like I would have popped in there. I would have glanced around there and been like, yeah, F this. I am heading out the door. Oh, God. But- <laughs>
0: I mean, it's, it's so clear that this house is full of things that have been collected from people just like them, you know, like people yes. who are on vacation who have the things that one would take on vacation with them, it's just full. Like, they find a, a huge collection of sunglasses and, like, sporting goods. Like, it's yeah. it's, it's insane um, that they don't figure it out sooner.
1: It's an insult to the viewer, really, that this, is, <laughs> that this scene is allowed to go on for so long. Like, we get it. We got it a long time ago. Please don't draw this out any longer. Like, do you think we're stupid? As, and that sort of culminates in the point... Where uh, Chris Flynn uh, walks into this room and see there's a generator running and three refrigerators there. Uh, and, of course, you know immediately what he's going to find in those fridges. Like, there's no question. Yeah. And he walks up to one of the fridges and he opens it and he's looking. There's there's gross jars in there with un, almost unidentifiable organs or weird right. things in them. But he's the doctor, right? He pulls out a Tupperware container. Oh, my God. This was so belabored. I was checking my watch at this point. We all know this is a psycho cannibal backwards hillbilly house. Everything pointed to it. And why are we still here?
0: <laughs> that, that's fair. This does go on far too long. But <sighs> when they do finally realize that this is bad news, they run to the front door only to look out the window and see a truck approaching the house. And it's a Toe tow truck. truck. It's a tow truck. And it's it's pulling their car.
1: Yeah, both of their cars. (laughs) It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and and this scene actually, you know, like, the the people, the guys come in. Again, they're shot so that you only see their torso. You don't see their faces. Um, And they come into the house, and we don't know where these other people have gone, but we see that they have hidden Scott and... Carly are hiding in the bathroom and Chris and Jesse are hiding under a bed. And this scene goes on for a good four or five minutes and it's very tense because yes. it's, it's quiet. The two that are hiding under the bed, Francine's body is dropped within inches of where they are. And of course, uh, Jesse is horrified, but they have to remain silent. They have to remain silent as they watch these men butcher their friend. Mm. Um, And it's a struggle. Uh, And I can imagine that it would be a struggle to remain silent when witnessing something so horrifying. And I found this scene very, very tense. I was on the edge of my seat. And I've seen it before. (laughs) I knew they were going to get out and then I don't really understand why like apparently after they kill somebody these guys need to take a nap like butchering <laughs> people like wears them out um, so they all lay down and go to sleep and then everybody has to very quietly get out of there and, and it is tense I thought it was kind of stupid when Carly like kicked a metal pitcher like look where you're going <laughs> 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 There are murderous sleeping mountain men right there like have a care Take care a <laughs>
1: But this scene was good. I mean, this, uh, this, and like you said earlier, this movie, what it does have going for it is it does have a few moments of genuine tension and well-constructed scenes. And I actually really liked this scene. I did, too. I was on the edge of my seat. And I knew they were all probably going to get out, or maybe one of them wouldn't. You know, that was kind of the the one thing I was wondering. But I knew they would get out. But I knew they would get out just in the nick of time. And they would end up waking these guys up whom they would chase after him, which is exactly what happens.
0: But it's a great shot. Like they get all the way out the door and Chris is the last one. He's like holding the spring of the swinging door so that it won't creak. And just before he goes to leave after everybody else is out, he looks back and one of the guys has his eyes open and is looking right at him. It's crazy. And so then they just take off running um, the girl who plays Carly, I think, either sprained or broke her ankle uh, on this run, and then in the next scene, well, i don't remember when it was uh the guy who plays Chris he gets
1: shot. I mean, they basically they run up the hill and they run through the woods, and these the the cannibals hop in their truck and they take off down the road. so these guys are going into the woods uh, and they're hoping they're not going to encounter them again, and where they end up is a, a kind of a clearing. That is an even bigger car graveyard,
0: and blood-stained everything.
1: Everything, yeah. yeah. And so that they're in a good spot for another scene, which is exactly what happens. Those cannibals swing into that graveyard, and so they quickly decide that their best their best choice is to sort of split up and um, distract them in different directions, so they can't get them all at once. And so Chris just runs away and's like, "Hey, over here, over here." Which I thought was stupid, but yeah, I mean, stupid for him. Uh, but he does it, and he runs to the woods, and he gets shot by the guy, I believe with... Was it a gun or the arrow? This, I can't this time it's one. a gun. This time it's a gun. So one's got a gun, one's pretty good with a bow and arrow.
0: One's really good with a bow and arrow, and I think that that one... I, I think the one that... I, I couldn't really tell. Um, they They're never named in the movie, but in the credits, they're... Labeled as three finger sawtooth and one eye, <laughs> and I'm not sure who was who they're they're all kind of gross no. um but yeah, he gets shot right in the in the calf of his leg. Um, And, you know, I get that it's a movie and you have to have willing suspension of disbelief, but this guy is not going to be running around the forest for the next 24 hours having just been shot in the leg. But he does. But anyway, because he's taken out the other guy, um, Scott, runs off in the other direction to try to distract the guys away and that works. So the two girls go and get Chris and they take him to the tow truck and they get in the tow truck and they drive away with one of the mutants, you know, chasing after them on foot, but they get away and they're driving around and they, uh, the guy running through the woods, Scott almost gets to them but one of those mutants is really good with a bow and arrow, like really, really good. (laughs)
1: Unbelievably good.
0: (laughs) And, and shoots Scott in the back three times and he falls over dead. So they have to just keep going on without him. Carly is (laughs) in my notes. I have Carly is dead. Wait, (laughs) (laughs) they should have just left her behind because she is just dragging them down. But they, they, Eventually, the the truck gets. They come to a dead end. The truck gets stuck, so they have to continue on foot. The cannibals are after them. Eventually, they find this watchtower, mm. and this is the scene that I remember the most. I thought that this was a really cool scene. They go up into the watchtower, and there's a radio up there, and they're trying to call somebody on the radio, but the cannibals are approaching and they think that the cannibals are going to just pass them by but at the most inopportune moment somebody responds on the radio and the cannibals hear it so they know they're up there
1: let me just say how dumb this is too i mean this watchtower is really really high up in the air yeah, they have to go inside of it. It's got a trapdoor. There's a there's a radio inside, and and these cannibals are way way far down on the ground, walking through the woods with their torches. Mm-hmm. I do not think that a little static on this radio, which is all it is, uh, that goes like this, is going to suddenly alert them from down below. It's just not going to happen.
0: Maybe I don't know, but it. Oh does. God, no. Well, and and so the cannibals start climbing up, but they barricade the trap door. So the cannibals set the tower on fire.
1: And and the whole time this is happening, I'm thinking, these guys are just spelling their doom. Because they're creating a big fire in the woods. I mean, if they've been able to go under the radar this long, um, this is surely going to rat them out.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and this... It must be some kind of magical fire because it doesn't spread to the sur- like the immediately <laughs> surrounding trees.
1: Right. Oh, the fire is completely disregarded as soon as they jump out of the watchtower. The only thing they can do is jump out of the watchtower. So into they into
0: trees, the- which is dangerous, but could potentially work, and it does. It I mean, it still looks rough. Like when Eliza Dushku hit. The branch that she landed on, I audibly went, ah, like mm. that had to hurt.
1: <laughs> they were really lucky, but it could happen. Um, yeah. And I saw in the trivia there that um, the other gal, the one who jumps down first, Ema- Emmanuel Cheriqui, the actress uh-huh, who plays uh-huh. her, actually dislocated her shoulder during this fall. And you can actually hear her shoulder pop on the production track. So yeah, that's crazy. I
0: knew she got injured somewhere. Um, yeah. And, and and then there's actually, I, I, I thought this improbable, but kind of a cool scene where they're, like, traversing the branches of the trees and moving Between from trees. tree to tree. Yeah, and uh, the uh, one guy, the smallest one, Three Finger, is, uh, you know, up in the trees, too, and following them around. He eventually sneaks up on... Carly and that's when he axes her like in the mouth like cuts the top part of her head off and then her body falls to the ground
1: that was surprising
0: it was surprising
1: yeah I didn't expect that and like you said as improbable I mean really I was thinking about it the whole time as improbable as this you know walking between on the branches between trees up here like as improbable as it was it it was cool (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, and it
1: was shot really well uh, Uh and it was engaging and so I liked it
0: Yeah, and so the other two, Chris and Jesse, set a trap where Chris is – he pulls a branch back and pulls it taut, and Jesse goes out as the bait and lures this three-finger guy –
1: Onto her branch. Onto her branch.
0: (laughs) And then she – I think she actually gets knocked over by him, Um, but she's down low so that Chris can release the branch, and it knocks three-finger out of the – out of the tree and he falls to the ground, um, presumably dead. But these guys apparently have like superhuman strength because all of them, all of these mutants should have been dead at some point in the movie. Multiple and times. Yet, right. Yeah. And yet continue to come back as does three finger later. It's kind of a surprise because you assume that he's dead. But um, so the only two left are Jesse and Chris and they run off together and they hide They hide behind a waterfall, yeah.
1: This is just like a quick cut. It's like, they're in the trees, that guy falls, and now suddenly they're by a waterfall.
0: Yeah. Was, I was, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, okay. I, I I mean, I guess, you know, spare us the the boredom of watching them slowly climb down from the trees, look and see for some reason the other two aren't there, and then find their way to a waterfall, but sure. I was a little surprised.
0: <laughs> yeah. and And they see the two mutants who are still after them they see them bypass them so they assume they're in the clear at least for a little while so they they sleep until morning she is startled awake by it's a dream but she imagines she dreams that they've been found and you know the guy's there with an axe or whatever and that's kind of a startling moment too but mm-hmm. in the morning they wake up and they continue looking for a road they eventually find one but it's it's at the bottom of a very steep hill, so they're talking about how they're going to get down there and there's a great jump scare where an axe flies into a tree right next to their faces. Mm. Um, I jumped at that point and and the mutants are right there, and Chris gets knocked down the hill and they take they they get uh jesse and and take her away. But they were able to reach some sort of authority on that radio briefly. Uh, And so there's there's a police SUV coming down the road, and Chris is able to intercept it. And the guy, whether, I don't know if he's like a, a forest guy ranger or something a like ranger that. or search and rescue i don't know what he is but um, he gets out of his truck and he's like calm down calm down and chris is trying to explain what's going on the ranger dude just gets shot with an arrow right through his eye
1: oh that surprised me
0: oh i figured that guy was dead
1: <laughs> well, i mean you figure that's the only thing that can happen in a movie like this right because certainly chris isn't just going to suddenly be saved but once again, these guys are just escalating their own... Do- I mean, if they have been living out in the woods under the radar for this long, doing this for so long, they have now burned down a watchtower, set a fire in the woods, and uh, now they've killed a ranger who's gone out uh, to look for them. I mean, they're gonna- the authorities will descend upon this area and uh, be startled by what they see very soon. <laughs> one would <laughs> you know think. I mean,
0: yeah. oh, I mean one on. of them even says that. Like, one of the one of our protagonist group, when they find all those cars, they're like, How have they been getting away with this for so long? (laughs) That's a good question.
1: (laughs) It is a very good question. Did none of these other people have family and friends? You know, like (laughs) nobody came looking for them. What
0: (laughs) but uh Chris tries to drive away in the police guys truck, but the keys aren't in it, so he drops out of the truck and rolls underneath it, and the mutant guy doesn't think to look under the car for him. The cannibal guy gets the keys off of the police officer and loads the officer into the back of the SUV and drives home. But, like, and again... Very improbable, but Chris like suspends himself from the undercarriage Oh, God <laughs> one i don't know that that would be possible i don 't know that there would really be anything down there that you could grab suspend yourself from. secondly, it would be incredibly dangerous, but I guess in this circumstance, what are your choices so yeah, when the mutant guy gets back drives the thing back to the cabin, chris is there they've got uh, they 've got Jesse. Uh, bound to a bed and she's gagged and one of the remaining mutants is kind of menacing her with a knife yeah
1: and-, and like you said earlier the whole time it's going through my head why every other person they have just dispatched immediately and dragged off they've dragged her there and my only explanation again was like you said earlier well they must be planning to do something else with her but it doesn't kind of it doesn't really seem like that he's about to kill her
0: I, I think it. I don't know if he's about to kill her. I think uh, yeah, it. It seemed to me like he was just trying to scare her. Maybe. Like he was getting off on on frightening her. And I imagined that logically they were keeping her alive. I'll try not to be gross about it, but to have sex with her. Like yeah, that that's what I imagined.
1: Sure, maybe, or maybe they just ran out of fridge space. You know? That
0: could be too.
1: <laughs> they have it would make it, more it, sense.
0: They have had a pretty big harvest over the past couple of days. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they need her to like help cook. I don't know. But uh, anyway, the the other mutant comes in, drags the cop in, they start butchering him, and then Chris. I I think he... Oh, he drives his
1: car through there.
0: Yeah, well, he sets the front door on fire first, Mm. and then when one of them goes to, like, see why it's on fire or whatever, he drives the police officer's truck in over that guy. Yeah. And then there's a lot of fighting, and it seems like they kill the mutants three or four times, but they keep getting (laughs) back up and keep fighting. And then Three Finger, the one who fell out of the tree, shows up and... They fight, I mean, they get some one of the mutants gets axed in the chest. One of them, I don't even remember what all happens to them, but ultimately, even when they have all of them down on the ground, they're all still clearly alive. <laughs>
1: yeah, one of them gets an arrow almost into the brain. I mean, yeah, it's pretty.
0: Me, how, how, however, it happens, they're all still alive, but Chris and Jesse go outside he has one shot left in his shotgun but i don't think that he even has to use it because the suv the, the 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 cops suv has gas tanks strapped to the back um and i don't think that chris even has to shoot them i think that just because of the fire the whole house blows up yeah and the next thing we see is the tow truck speeding down the road and it goes back to the gas station and the the gas station guy like locks up real quick and is peering through the window um which made me think that probably that's where these guys got their gas
1: yeah from good point. The,
0: and he probably knows about them but it, of course it's not them it's Chris and Jesse um and they just came to tear the map off the ro- off the wall and then they drive off into the sunset together and we never know you know what ultimately happens to them there's a mid credits scene where another search and rescue officer comes to the completely burned down shack and sees a boot or a hand or something and pulls some of the rubble away to reveal his partner or coworker, whatever. And then a burnt three finger creeps up behind him and raises an ax uh, and presumably kills him. Yeah. And that's it. You know, again, like ultimately, I didn't think it was bad. I was entertained. Uh there were moments when I was tense and and a little bit scared. It's not a great movie, but I thought that it was made it was well enough made that I found it to be an enjoyable experience. And if you not counting the credits and not counting the opening sequence, the the opening credits, it's really only about an hour and 17 minutes long. Um, so it's not like you're wasting a lot of time in watching. And it
1: moves. It, it moves.
0: Yeah, it's more does. or less.
1: Again, I I've, I was entertained too. I was on the edge of my seat at moments of it. I was forced to, to suspend my disbelief several times. Oh, I yeah. rolled my eyes a few times, and I was kind of waiting for something new to happen. And you know, late, you know, three quarters of the way through the movie, I realized, okay, there isn't going to be any twist. There's not. This is just exactly what it is, and that's fine. Friday the 13th has has less creativity (laughs) than this movie, really. So, I mean, I'm not going to complain about it as a horror movie or anything. Um, It's just I'm going to throw it on the pile as another one of these kind of films. And I think, like I said earlier, if if this had been a low-budget, gritty movie, I'd probably look down on it with a little more relish than I did with this really slick production um, that was an homage to those kind of movies. But not only didn't really bring anything new to the table it 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 upped the production value considerably <laughs> you know which i think worked against it to be honest uh, in an emotional level anyway for me but yeah anyway uh, it, it was it was fine
0: it was <laughs> fine yeah it's not great but i don't know i liked it and i think that fans of horror would enjoy it it's it's yeah. not bad so that's a ride the sequels are bad but kind of fun three finger is the recurring character like they set oh. it in different places there's different scenarios there's in in some of the movies there are three or four mutants and in at least one of them there's like a whole family of mutants but the character of three finger inexplicably kind of recurs um and
1: i guess he's just basically immortal right
0: (laughs) i guess i don't know at least in the ones that i remember seeing like i said there's five of them i know i saw at least the first three i don't know if i saw all of them but they're you know one of them is henry rollins is hosting an extreme reality show in the woods and they encounter these uh folks one of them i feel like there's one. One of the later ones has Doug Bradley as like the patriarch of this mutant family. He's not a mutant, um, but he's the patriarch, and it's at like some big festival or something that's being held out in the woods. Huh. Um, so they're they're creative and they're interesting and they shake things up. One of them is set during the winter at like a winter resort. So they do different stuff with it, um, not good movies, cheap CGI, um, but I still kept watching them uh, and, and thought they were kind of fun. I'm really interested to see the reboot. It's streaming on one of the few streaming services that I don't subscribe to yet. It's on uh, Showtime's s- streaming sc- service. Um, oh, you will. You will. I know I will. I probably will today, because if I bundle it with Paramount, it's only $3 a month.
1: (laughs) And now you have an excuse.
0: I know. And I was telling Alan, I'm like, I paid $4 to watch just this one movie. Surely I can afford $3 a month. (laughs) So, yeah. Stay tuned, because I'll I'll probably have watched it by next week. Anyway. uh, Yeah, so... Uh there you go. Uh I I literally at this point off the top of my head can't think of another franchise that we haven't touched. So uh if you all uh can th- Well, that's not true. There are a few. There's like Demonic Toys. I don't we haven't done any of those yet.
1: Witchcraft. We haven't touched the Witchcraft series.
0: Oh god, I know. I'm dreading you making me do those. <laughs> like I can't wait. Yeah. Softcore straight porn really isn't at the top of my list, but whatever. <laughs> For the sake of the podcast, I I'll the guess I'll grin and bear it. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. But anyway, (laughs) until we get We'll only do the first seven,
1: I promise you. All right.
0: (laughs) Uh, Until then, (laughs) Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please uh, share it with a friend. Of course, you can find us on virtually any place that you can find podcasts. We do also have uh, a Patreon website where you can show us a little more support and get a little bit of extra content that we don't make available to the general public but you know we appreciate your support one way or another just by listening and and uh sharing uh, us with your friends you are supporting us and we very much appreciate that so until next time i'm craig and i'm todd with two guys in a chainsaw